You're listening to an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts. Hi, I'm Mike Nicklich, DJ at Chirp Radio. If you're a baseball fan, you're going to love today's Chirp Artist interview with former Chicagoan Josh Cantor, who currently is organist for the Boston Red Sox. Josh is a huge fan of former White Sox organist Nancy Faust and owns the organ she used to entertain Sox fans for many years in Chicago. Josh, when you were a kid, did you ever dream about playing organ for a Major League Baseball team? No, not really. Although I do, rem- I specifically remember in ninth grade discovering Nancy Faust, who was the longtime legendary organist for the White Sox, and just being incredibly impressed with what she was doing and how she was doing it, and thinking that must be the coolest job in the world. You know, I was also just old enough to realize that my my dreams of playing baseball in the major leagues was was not going to happen. So I don't know. There was this sort of this seemed like an appealing alternative, even though it was a million to one. But I had always. Um, you know, I always just enjoyed learning tons of pop songs. And for many years, I, I worked as an accompanist for a improvisational theater group. And that was really excellent training um, to do the ballpark stuff, because it's very similar in terms of like you have players on a stage and you don't know what's going to happen next. And you want to be ready with a, you know, with the right musical cue that moves the action forward or, or supports the action or underscores it or, or, or something. So that was great training and then you know when they when they had the opening and they had the audition i was in the right place at the right time what was the best piece of advice nancy gave you to become a baseball organist keep the repertoire current you know keep updating keep learning the new pop songs it's more work than just kind of sticking to what you already know but it's well worth it it'll keep you and the organ music more relevant and i think it was right you know she she had seen you know she came in young and hip and you know she was sort of the first one to play rock music and soul and R&B and that kind of thing. Her contemporaries were sort of still stuck in show tune land, but she continued, you know, even in 2010, she's in her 60s and she's learning, you know, the current top 40 of the day and playing it and people are responding to it. Tell me the story about how you acquired Nancy Faust's organ and how you got that organ from Chicago to Boston. Oh, sure. So that was in uh, 14, 15, something like that. I forget exactly now, but she put her organ up for a charity auction. And I assumed that it was going to be unaffordable for me to, to try to make a bid. So I was but I was trying to encourage other people to bid on it in the hopes that maybe then, you know, I would at least know where it ended up. Maybe a friend would have it and I could <laughs> I could come visit or something. And then, you know, for some reason, the, the bidding started a little bit sluggish and I kind of had my eye on it. It was an online auction. And all of a sudden, I was very tempted to bid. And I, I asked my wife to talk me out of it. And she said, well, I could, but I'd rather talk you into it. And here's several reasons why I think it would be great. So I put in a bid and then kind of watched nervously. And then somehow it ended up being the winning bid, which was very exciting. And then... uh you know, and then the and then the catch was it had to be picked up at the White Sox ballpark by a certain date. And so my friends, Gerald Dowd, Max Crawford, and Kelly Hogan, all of whom are stalwarts of Chicago music. And Kelly I knew pretty well. And the other two I only knew a little bit at the time, but we've since become great friends. And they the three of them all big 
baseball fans, all big Nancy Faust fans, all big live organ music fans. And they said, well, you know, we're, we're very good at like putting big heavy instruments into a van and driving it across the country because that's kind of what we spent our whole life doing. So they did it. They took it upon themselves to go pick it up and put it in a van. And they kind of chronicled their travels as they went um, on social media. They called it the Great American Organ Transplant. And they were doing, they were getting media inquiries about it to do interviews. And they just had a lot of fun with it. They stopped in Cooperstown, New York, which is directly on the way from Chicago to Boston, um, and visited the the Baseball Hall of Fame and got sort of like a private tour of the uh, the vault down below. And the mayor of Cooperstown issued a proclamation for them. And uh, it just was great fun. And then when they got to Boston, it coincided with the, the annual Hot Stove Cool Music concert. And so they ended up participating in that and in the years since then have, have remained active participants in that concert series. So the whole thing was just be, beyond, <laughs> uh, beyond anything I could have hoped for. And now I have, you know, Nancy's old organ in the living room and I see it every day and I try to play it as much as I can. And, and, and it always brings me joy and good feelings and, and, and happy memories of that whole adventure. Gosh, you were just in town playing at the Hot Stove Cool Music event at Metro. Boy, there's some great artists that played with you on that bill. This concert has been happening annually in Boston for since around 2000, and it's been happening annually in Chicago for about a decade now. Like whenever it was that Theo Epstein came from the Red Sox over to the Cubs, he sort of brought it with him because the the concert has always was always done in Boston to raise money for his charitable foundation, which serves a whole variety of youth services agencies in in Boston and Chicago. So now it happens twice a year and you know all these Boston musicians have connected with all these Chicago musicians, um, which has been great for me having, you know, spent some time growing up in Chicago and, and then making those connections. I think I've been a regular part of it for about eight or nine years now. Obviously having Mavis Staples headline is, is so wild to me. I mean, she really, she really truly is, I think my all time favorite singer and Kelly, the aforementioned Kelly Hogan is, um, is a backing singer in her band now. So I'm beyond thrilled even just to be on the same bill. Rise up, you lonely wanderers. Rise up, you hungry people. The hurricane is coming. The land will soon be flooded. The past is dead and over. Rise up now, claim your freedom. You are the sleeping giant. Arise, arise, arise. Do not beg for yourself. Josh, in addition to being an organist, the Boston Red Sox understand you also play in a couple of rock bands, Jim's Big Ego and the Split Squad. Can you tell me about those bands? Yes. Yeah, so um, so I, I play regularly with, with both of those bands, Jim's Big Ego, which is based in Boston, and the Split Squad, which is it's a group where everybody's kind of spread out around the world, but we get together and everybody's in lots of different bands, but we carve out a little bit of time here and there to do short tours, sometimes in the US, sometimes in Europe. I've enjoyed playing with both those groups and then i've done um a lot of side work with ton, you know too, too too numerous to name all the various um acts that i've had the the great fortune to play with in boston and and in other places tell me about the baseball project oh sure so that's that's a good example so there's a there's a group called the baseball project rock band um they write 
original songs all about baseball. They're great songs. I love playing with them. They are probably best known for having um, Peter Buck and Mike Mills from REM as members of the group. And Scott McCoy, who was an auxiliary REM member for a long time and has and has played in a million other bands. Um, Steve Wynn from the Dream Syndicate. And Linda Pittman is the drummer, who's a just sort of, you know, New York drummer extraordinaire that seems like everybody wants to play with. I think when they put out their second album, they reached out to me. I knew Steve and Linda a bit at the time. And they said, we've got a lot of keyboard parts on this album, and but we don't have a, a keyboard player for the tours. We're wondering if you could do some shows. And obviously, you've, you've got these big baseball bona fides that make make it a good fit so i was very happy to do it and uh i'm very happy to get to, to to play a bunch of shows with all those folks and i think it's especially funny in a way because i you know as a kid i was as a little kid i was living in athens and i remember rem was sort of coming up at the time and i would see them around town and so it was it was neat i guess to say the least to you know 25 years later be you know getting in a van with them and, and driving around and, and playing clubs with them i've seen the shadows of the ones that came before Larger than life Too big to be ignored When they talk about the greats Mickey and Joe Can you tell us a little bit about the seventh inning stretch on Facebook? Oh, sure. So um, at the beginning of lockdown, March 2020, Actually, two weeks after, it was what would have been baseball opening day. But of course, the baseball season was postponed for four months to start. And, uh, you know, and obviously it was a really difficult time for everyone. And my wife and I were kind of going stir crazy at home. And a friend said, oh, you should do a live stream where you play songs on the organ in your living room. And I asked him, like, well, how do you do that? He said, I don't know, just Google it. So we watched a little video tutorial on how to set up a live stream. And, and we did a, a pretty crude one on day one. And I figured maybe just a few people would show up, a couple of requests. And it ended up, I think, because people had nowhere to go and had some time on their hands and also were desperate to, to connect with others, it ended up being extremely popular. A ton of people came that first day and a ton of people put song requests in the live chat that was running. And, and so we decided, well, let's just do this again tomorrow. And, and, and then we committed to doing it every afternoon, usually for, I don't know, anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes. We did that every day for four months. And each day we asked people if they could to donate to a food bank. So we were able to raise uh, a lot of money for food banks. And we got a lot of media attention just because I think there wasn't there wasn't much else in the world of baseball or, or live music or happy news at all to talk about. So we became a point of interest for media all over the world. So for, for a little while there, we were getting, you know, tens of thousands of people tuning in every day. Josh, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for participating in the Chirp Artist interview. Oh, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it very much. You can follow Josh Cantor on Twitter at J-T-K-A-N-T-O-R. For Chirp Radio, I'm Mike Nicklich. Thanks for listening. This has been an artist interview from Chirp Radio. You can find this and more interviews at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.